0: This program is presented by Birch Gold Group, the precious metal IRA specialists.
1: Good morning. In today's headlines, a small plane found itself in big trouble after getting tangled up in power lines near Washington, D.C. The crash caused major power outages
2: protests across China over extreme COVID-19 lockdown policies. We have the latest from Xinjiang to Beijing and Shanghai. Chevron gets
1: the green light from the Biden administration to expand oil production in Venezuela. Critics are asking why not more oil production here at home?
2: Clashes broke out over the weekend as police dismantled a migrant camp near the U.S.-Mexico border. Local officials say the move was aimed at preserving the migrants' security.
1: And farmers in Colorado are keeping the environment in mind when farming their crops, and they have an unusual method of tilling their soil.
2: Good morning. Welcome to NTD. I'm Kevin Hogan.
1: Good morning. I'm Evelyn Lee. Today is Monday, November 28th.
2: We're kicking off with some troubling news. Two people trapped inside a plane that crashed into high voltage power lines have been rescued. The crash near Washington, D.C. caused major power outages. Montgomery County officials say both patients were transported from the scene to local area trauma centers with serious injuries. The aircraft crashed at about 5.30 p.m. yesterday. It occurred in misty and wet conditions in Montgomery Village, Maryland. The small plane became caught up in live power lines about 100 feet off the ground. The first patient was brought down after midnight and the second about 10 minutes afterwards. Most power in the county has been restored. Crews were still working to remove the plane from the power lines.
1: And now looking to the Far East, rare mass protests against COVID-19 lockdowns broke out in major cities across China over the weekend. Frustration over extreme lockdown measures has reached a boiling point for many Chinese citizens. And today, Jeremy Sandberg has more on the weekend's demonstrations. No
3: PCR tests, we want freedom. That's what these protesters in Beijing are chanting after having enough of the Chinese Communist Party zero-COVID lockdown policies. The weekend demonstrations are the most widespread show of opposition to the regime in decades. Protests were kindled after at least 10 people died in an apartment fire in Xinjiang's capital, Urumqi. That's according to state-run media, the real number is unknown. Some say as many as 44 people died in the fire. First responders were unable to reach the blaze due to COVID-19 blockades and locks throughout the residential compound. The fire was left to burn for three hours. Angry residents demanded the citywide lockdown be lifted. Millions of people there have been forbidden to leave their homes for as long as 100 days. This man is telling police a three-year-old that died in the fire had not had a proper meal in months and only been eating radishes. Video footage went viral on Chinese social media before internet censors could scrub news of the tragedy. Outrage sparked as more districts around China announced their own lockdowns in response to surging numbers of COVID-19 infections. Protests spread from the city in northwest China to the capital Beijing all the way to Wuhan and Shanghai. 10 major cities have reported large-scale protests. Demonstrators are holding up blank sheets of white paper in a gesture that circumvents the country's strict censorship laws. One protester stated, "'We don't need to write anything on it. It's a symbol of the revolution of the people.'" Others hold up sunflowers, a symbol used by a student movement in Taiwan. Gunshots were reported at the protest in Wuhan. Blockades were broken and fences pushed down. Author and China specialist Gordon Chong says while many are correlating the protest to 1989, a more apt comparison is 1949, when nationalists lost people's hearts. He says the CCP has now lost hearts across the country. Crowds gathered in Shanghai for a vigil at Wulumqi Middle Road, a street named after Yurumqi. A large group chanted down with the Chinese Communist Party, down with Xi Jinping. Police dragged people away, while others chanted, free them. Dutch reporter Eva Ramelou called the scene incredible. She says in her 10 years of reporting in China, she's never seen anything like it. BBC journalist Ed Lawrence was taken to the ground by a group of policemen and detained. Onlookers demanded he be let go, chanting, release him, release him. Police beat and kicked the accredited journalist during the arrest. The BBC put out a statement saying Chinese authorities gave no official explanation or apology at the time. Officials claim he was arrested for his own good to stop him from catching COVID from the crowd. BBC says they do not consider that a credible explanation. Chinese authorities later say he refused to show his foreign press card or leave the scene. The communist regime has relentlessly suppressed critical voices during the pandemic. Several citizen journalists and residents trying to document the toll in the early days of the CCP virus were jailed. Many Chinese citizens say they have had enough of the extreme lockdown measures and are willing to take collective actions to support their neighbors who test positive. Some experts believe the Zero COVID policy has been a way for the regime to establish total control over the population. Jeremy Sandberg, NTD News.
1: The Chinese Communist Party is sticking with Xi's zero-COVID policy even as most of the world lifts restrictions. China's COVID case numbers have hit record highs for days with nearly 40,000 new infections on Saturday. However, China's numbers are considered unreliable. Many cases have gone unreported since the pandemic started.
2: Chevron on Saturday received a U.S. license allowing it to expand its production in Venezuela. The decision grants broader rights for the last major U.S. oil company still operating in the U.S.-sanctioned country. NTD's Daniel Monahan has the story.
4: License terms are designed to prevent the state-run PDVSA oil company from receiving proceeds from Chevron's petroleum sales. The license lasts for six months and will be automatically renewed monthly thereafter. Speaking on Fox News, former White House economic adviser Stephen Moore criticized the decision.
0: This is the same administration, Will, that won't allow us to do drilling here in the United States, not in Texas, not in Oklahoma, not in Alaska, not in West Virginia.
4: He called it Put America Last energy policy. He then compared the Chevron decision with his Trump administration days.
0: Our whole policy was to make America
4: totally energy independent so we wouldn't have to rely on countries like Venezuela. The Biden administration's decision comes after the Maduro regime and Opposition Political Alliance Unitary Platform resumed talks in Mexico City. This was the first negotiation between the two parties since October 2021. The two sides also announced progress, including a humanitarian agreement focused on education, health, food security, flood response, and electricity programs that will benefit the Venezuelan people. According to the newly issued license, Chevron can resume operations in the socialist country through its joint venture with Venezuela's state-run oil company, PDVSA. The oil produced by the joint venture can be sold to the United States if it's sold to Chevron first. Representative Thomas Tiffany of Wisconsin tweeted, Why is Joe Biden so obsessed with killing oil and gas jobs in America and creating them in Venezuela? The U.S. Treasury Department called the move an effort to provide sanctions relief. The goal is to alleviate the suffering of the Venezuelan people and support the restoration of democracy. Energy prices have been soaring since President Biden came to the White House. He tried to calm down the market before the November 8th midterm elections by releasing more than 200 million barrels of the nation's emergency oil reserves. That move drove the Strategic Petroleum Reserve down to its 1984 level. Maduro has gained new clout with the rise of leftist leaders in Latin America and a fractured opposition struggling from a lack of funds and with leaders exiled or imprisoned. Venezuela holds about 300 billion barrels of oil reserves, the world's largest. However, it has been unable to hit its production targets due to underinvestment, poor maintenance, lack of supplies, and U.S. sanctions.
2: Daniel Monaghan, NTD News. Clashes between police and migrants broke out yesterday as Mexican authorities dismantled a migrant camp near the U.S. border. According to officials, the camp was closed for security reasons. Here's NTD's Kostemenes with the details.
0: Tensions rose when riot police agents stepped into the camp, set up by around 600 migrants in Ciudad Juarez, across the border from El Paso, Texas. Officers forced resisting migrants out. Pulling tents away. Some tents caught fire during the operation, with police officers pushing them into the nearby river to douse the flames.
4: There was fire. There were policemen clearing tents with children inside. A lot of officers were rude to us, although they're supposed to preserve people's
0: security. The local government's human rights chief, Santiago Gonzalez, said the move was aimed primarily at preserving the migrants' security.
4: Today, we relocated people settled down in this camp following a civil protection ruling saying there was a high risk of fire due to the tent's flammability, considering the materials they're made of and to the campfires done in this space. The ruling also said there was a risk of drowning for children as we see there's a river and a risk of hypothermia.
0: More than 16,000 immigrants from Central and South America were detained over the course of four days. Namely from Guatemala, Nicaragua, Honduras, and Ecuador, as well as nearly 5,000 Venezuelans. U.S. authorities recently announced a plan agreed to with Mexico to return some Venezuelan migrants who enter the U.S. illegally to Mexico. Since then, thousands of illegal immigrants have been found camping elsewhere in Mexico, many in poor conditions. Costemanes, NTD News.
1: A weekend report shows U.S. shoppers spent a record $9.1 billion online this Black Friday. Despite high inflation, consumers took advantage of steep discounts on everything from smartphones to toys. Here's the story.
5: The report from Adobe Analytics, which measures e-commerce by analyzing transactions at websites, said online spending rose 2.3 percent on Black Friday thanks to consumers holding out for discounts until the traditionally big shopping days, even though deals started as early as October. Adobe Analytics had forecast Black Friday sales to rise a modest 1%. It expects Cyber Monday to be the season's biggest online shopping day again, driving an expected $11.2 billion in spending. Consumers had been expected to flock to stores in record numbers this year, but Friday morning saw less in-store traffic than usual, with sporadic rain in some parts of the country. Americans used their smartphones to make holiday purchases, with data from Adobe showing shopping done on mobile devices represented 48 percent of all Black Friday digital sales.
2: Coming up, North Korean leader Kim Jong-un says his country aims to have the world's most powerful nuclear force. This follows the recent launch of a new ballistic missile. And tilling machinery can help a lot on the farm, but it can also cause some soil damage. A few farmers in Colorado may have a solution for us after the break. Welcome back. North Korean leader Kim Jong-un has made claims that his country aims to have the world's most powerful nuclear force. It came as he promoted dozens of military officers involved in the November 18th launch of the new Hwasong-17 ballistic missile. According to state media, the missile has the capability of reaching the U.S. mainland. North Korean state TV released pictures of Kim and his daughter posing for photos with military officials, scientists, engineers and others involved in the test. The test launch prompted Washington to put pressure on the United Nations Security Council to hold Pyongyang accountable for its missile tests. The missile tests are banned by UN Security Council resolutions.
1: Canada's long-awaited Indo-Pacific strategy was unveiled on Sunday. It lays out how the country plans to balance a relationship with China while also deepening economic and security ties in the region. At a news conference in Vancouver, Foreign Affairs Minister Melanie Jolie said Canada will be firm in how it engages with China.
6: China is an increasingly disruptive global power. Our neighborhood, alongside Japan and South Korea, is facing real security threats. From North Korea as it continues reckless missile launches, and from China who continues to challenge international norms.
1: The 26-page strategy mentions China more than 50 times and outlines a $1.7 billion boost to its military and cybersecurity spending in the region. But the document said cooperation with the world's second biggest economy was necessary to address trade issues, global health and nuclear expansion.
2: China's industrial firms saw overall profits decline further in the January to October period. This as cities imposed lockdowns and other measures in response to COVID dampening economic activity. Industrial profits fell 3% in the first 10 months of 2022 from a year earlier. Profits declined for 22 of China's 41 major industrial sectors. The downbeat data for the world's second-largest economy also reflects a debt payment crisis within the country's property sector. There's also been a sharp slowdown in consumer spending. Profits for manufacturers were down over 13 percent in the first 10 months. Sectors showing the steepest declines included the petroleum, coal, and fuel processing industry, which saw profits tumble over 70 percent.
1: And China has agreed to restructure Cuban debt and to provide new trade and investment credits to the island nation. Chinese investment in the country has slowed in recent years due to Cuba's failure to meet debt payments. Analysts estimate that debt to be in the billions of dollars, though no official figures are available. Cuba's last reported foreign debt total was nearly $20 billion in 2019. Trade between the two communist countries declined from over $2 billion in 2017 to $1.3 billion last year. China remains Cuba's second most important commercial partner after Venezuela. China also donated $100 million after Hurricane Ian destroyed Cuba's western province last September.
2: The leader of Russia's Liberal Democratic Party met with concerned women on Saturday. The mothers and wives voiced their unease over various issues regarding their mobilized loved ones. The meeting was attended by over a dozen women who turned to the party for help. Questions were raised about the provision of medicine, winter clothing and equipment as well as the rehabilitation of injured soldiers. Many of the women were also worried because of the lack of information about the health and whereabouts of their relatives.
1: And farmers in Colorado are keeping the environment in mind when farming their crops. The Owl Tree Farm uses chickens to till their soil so machines don't have to. And Flinders Kingsley has a story.
6: Owl Tree Farms is working on moving back to small, localized, regenerative food systems. While large-scale machine tillage improves short-term soil fertility, it speeds up erosion and soil runoff. Chickens tilling the soil removes the need for machines and the negative impacts the machines create.
3: Most people would laugh at you if you told them you could grow a perfect, a nice, perfect straight carrot in untilled
6: soil. Brett Beardmore, a poultry farmer at Owl Tree, was diagnosed with an autoimmune disorder. (laughs) He says this diagnosis and raising his 18-month-year-old son made him realize the importance of healthy living. This encouraged him to join the food industry. Nobody's wanting to take on the next generation. And so there's kind of this weird opportunity that we see to guide farming methods into a better direction. The 10-acre farm has been running since 2020 and is by no means a heavyweight in the farming industry. But they say they're trying to change the food industry.
3: The knowledge and the equipment and everything out there to do that, to transition that tillage, high-disturbance type of farming to a regenerative, no-till system, all that knowledge, all that equipment, all that exists, it's just a matter of you know, helping people realize that there's a different way
6: to do it. Other farmers have criticized Our Tree Farm for not charging premium price for their chickens. Our Tree charges $6 a pound instead of $8 or $9. The farm says they are trying to move the industry to sustainability and affordability. Flinders Kingsley, NTD News.
1: Next, millions flock to Qatar for the FIFA World Cup, but soccer isn't the only thing receiving mass attention. That's after the break. Welcome back. The Soccer World Cup is underway in Qatar, and more than a million fans are expected to visit during the month-long event. With everyone working hard to provide hospitality, even camels are feeling the strain. Here's NTD's Flinders Kingsley with more.
6: Camel riding is a traditional mode of transportation that has lasted thousands of years. In the sand dunes outside Qatar's capital of Doha, the tradition is still going. Ali Jabba Al-Ali is a Sudanese camel herder who has lived in Qatar for 15 years. Prior to the World Cup, an average day's work would involve 20 camel rides. Now his business attracts 500 camel rides in the morning and 500 more in the evening. He used to own 20 camels. Now we have 60 camels, and even with 60 we can't catch up. We can't handle it. It is very busy and crowded. The camels are really feeling the stress. Sometimes they sit back down after standing up. Sometimes they outright refuse to stand.
4: I am the only one with very close contact with the camel, so I can tell when they are tired. If they worked hard or I had 30 or 40 people ride them, I am sure they will be
6: tired. I have to give them time to rest and give them water. The iconic experience is a must-do for those traveling thousands of miles from across the globe. No, it's
4: actually an incredible feeling, because you feel like a royal. And the truth is, it's very nice, very nice to ride on an animal.
6: Thousands of people gather in the sand dunes for nature and local animals. And of course, they capture the moment with pictures. Flinders Kingsley, NTD News.
2: Ah, camels are so exotic.
1: Did you hear that? They went from 20 to 1,000 rides
2: a day. Oh man, yeah, animals are earning their keep.
1: Well, yeah, those poor animals, though. Anyway, we're wrapping the show here. We would love for you to write us at goodmorning at ntd.com if there are any ideas or thoughts you would like to share with us. Thanks for watching. I'm
2: Evelyn Lee. And I'm Kevin Hogan.